A rich tradition. College football podcast is now live. Hello and welcome to a rich tradition college football podcast. I'm Spencer Van Horn. He's Robbie Stelton Pole. Two friends, one love, and that is college football. Roberto, how are you, my friend? I'm doing all right, man. Uh, feeling a little under the weather today. Um, was under the weather last week with something completely different. Um, but I think I've just had a really long weekend, and it's taken the toll on your boy. But it's July 4th. I took some Advil, and I'm ready to rock and roll. Is it the destruction of the Pac-12 that has you sick and not feeling well? Yeah, I'm just waiting for that ticking time bomb to go off. Um, has it not already gone off? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I, well, I guess what I'm waiting for is just the the formal statement. Hey, uh, guys, uh, we're gonna we're gonna just uh, let let our other ten teams uh, go wherever they decide to go. Because yeah. you are they, now all independent. The Pac-12 no longer exists. Yeah. Um, Okay, so let's just go ahead and jump in. Uh, the Big Ten, the Big Ten is poaching USC and UCLA. And, and look, I, I say poaching as if you know the Big Ten some big bad guy here. Um, I think both parties are doing what they know is best for themselves. Um, the Big Ten has a huge TV contract coming up um, here soon, very soon. It's going to be very lucrative. Um, UCLA and USC looked around and saw their not so lucrative TV deal that the Pac-12 has, and wanted to get out of get out of there and so they are i mean yeah, you almost you almost get the get the impression that texas and oklahoma left because of the sec logo usc ucla are leaving to get away from the pac-12 logo like texas and oklahoma want the sec logo usc and ucla would like to leave the pac-12 logo uh, get that out of get that out of dodge and the best place to go is to slap that big 10 logo on and uh, just not be a part of the Pac-12 anymore. Yeah, um, <clears throat> I, you know, there, there's so many routes that can be taken here. You know, the possibility of USC playing Ohio State in November. You know, like there's stuff like that that can be discussed. But can, can and you and I didn't really talk about this, but I, I, I just want to say bluntly, I hate the route that we're taking in college football right now over the last calendar year. Do you agree with me in that? I don't know what, what, what uh, just uh, expand in, upon your in, thought. In Texas and Oklahoma leaving the Big Ten or Big Twelve last year go to the SEC, which will happen here soon, and now and now this, like, it's this super conference focus. It's all TV money focused, and I know money speaks all, and I know that in between the lines, the game isn't going to really change, but I just do not like where we seem to be heading when it comes to these decisions that we're making and you know, all, all this, all these dominoes that are about to fall. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping to hold out. I'm, I am holding out hope. Sorry. That, that this is all leading towards some sort of, you know, paradise that we're leading towards some sort of, you know, we're, we're making our way down the road. We're, we're on this journey with lots of ups and downs and things that look ugly and turns and twists and things that aren't, that don't look like they're good for the sport. And ultimately, maybe we end up with something that we can all be on board with. And perhaps that is the, the, the breakaway from the NCAA, you know, that the big 66 or, um, all of the power five conferences 
or what we knew is the Power Five conferences, Pac-12, ACC, all those, break off along with Notre Dame and form some other thing separate from the NCAA. And it probably, at least early conversations, included the potential of it being 90 schools and not just those 60s that you would go and grab you know, Boise States and Memphis's and Houston's and UCF's and Cincinnati's and uh, San Diego State and and whoever else, you'd go and grab a lot of those other smaller competitive schools, competitive programs, and you'd lump those in as well. Part of me is hoping that this leads to something along those lines. I don't know how quickly we get there. I don't know how far down the line all of that is. I know that the media rights that the ACC and the SEC are under are ending around 33-35. I don't know if the Big Ten would set their media deal similar to end around that same time. Uh, if They're expecting to get that done, like Robbie said, here in the – it could happen this week, here on the week of the 4th, um, if not a week after that. So it could be coming very soon on that front. And then if that gets set to the middle of – of um of the 30s then maybe that would be the time frame of how this whole thing breaks off if the media right deals are as crucial to them breaking away from the NCAA as I'm anticipating them being and, and, I don't and know you if could that answers right. your question or not but well I, I just my thought no no it, you're 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 just trying to be more optimistic and I get it um like I just Man, this screws Oregon over. This screw, this screws Utah over. Colorado, I mean Cal, Stanford. Because, like, I mean, honestly, like, who's coming? To, who's going to come to the Pac-12 to make up those teams? Because I can't think of anyone who would consider to do that that would even come close to matching the market that USC and UCLA have. Yeah, you'd you'd have to, in terms of like an immediate an immediate response, an immediate uh, reaction, you would almost think the Big 12 and the Pac-12 have to join forces in some way. Now, that's obviously going to put you at, um, that would obviously put you at 22 schools if the two teams minus Oklahoma, Texas, uh, uh, USC, and UCLA would put you at 22 teams. So how do you make that kind of conference work that stretches from Texas all the way up to you know, all the way up to Washington. So how do you, how would you stretch a 22-team conference? What would those dynamics look like? All the while, you still know that you're playing second fiddle to the Big Ten and the SEC, or I guess third fiddle to those two conferences, because you're basically just working with quantity and not necessarily the quality, especially from a TV standpoint or a market standpoint. You don't have L.A., in that scenario, you do get several California schools, uh, and you do have Nike's money there in um, uh, at at Oregon, and you do get some Texas uh, love with Baylor and Texas Tech. But you're still thinking to yourself, what do you? That's my immediate reaction to how to sort of save those is create some sort of big Pac-22, and you go from there just to see if you can't keep things afloat. With something like that. And maybe that's where the the streaming companies come in. Bravo. Or maybe one of these TV deals says. Hey man. That's inventory out the wazoo. For a 22 team conference. We'll jump on board for 
we'll jump on board for that from a from an inventory standpoint. I was reading an article uh, from Dan Wetzel that talked about from these TV deal standpoint, this obviously creates a huge advantage for the Big Ten and their new media deal that they're trying to get. But it also makes them the only only game in town. There are the nicest house on the block. They're the only house on the block. Nobody's signing up for the Pac-12 right now. Nobody's signing up for the Big 12 right now because there's not really a whole lot there. So maybe a big Pac-22 might be an interesting, uh, an interesting uh, product to a TV deal if you're just considering inventory. This, this leads to the bigger question. The, the team that holds all the cards right now. What does Notre Dame do? Mm-hmm. I think I, I told I texted my brother Ryan uh, that he's a huge Notre Dame fan, been very adamant, and and so have I, adamant that Notre Dame has had no reason to leave their lucrative deal with NBC. I think they now have a reason to leave their lucrative deal with with NBC to go mm-hmm. to, to go to the Big Ten. I mean, what, have, have you read? You? Have you read the the article from Dan Wetzel on Yahoo? No. So he he and he writes that. Um, right along those same lines that the Big Ten has always been friend-zoned by Notre Dame. That Notre Dame is just, we're going to do our own thing, and the ACC is always here to serve our needs, and you know the Big Ten is just in the friend zone. And now the Big Ten, after doing everything they can to try to impress, to try to make more jokes, to try to whatever, you know, to get the Notre Dame's attention, Notre Dame's always just sort of kept them in the friend zone, well, now the Big Ten is sitting outside the apartment with a Lamborghini and cars to an L.A. beach house. And, you know, it's, it's on now. If the Big Ten's ever had a chance to swoo and to, to woo them away or woo them out of independence, it would, it would be now. Uh, I agree. I wonder if Notre Dame would continue to flirt with, we're just going to continue to stay independent. Can we, how, fur, how much further can we drive our price tag if we just continue to stay independent if we can continue to stay independent how how much more can we drive our price tag i guess is what i'm i'm wondering if notre dame if they're how much they're still playing with that because they've held on to independence for so long yeah i mean uh, also though like they, they have some like they have some rights deal with with a with the acc um I think I saw the numbers. My, I think my brother actually tweeted me in it. Um, it makes financial sense for Notre Dame to join the Big Ten. Currently, they earn $25 million a year under NBC and the ACC. Their Big Ten payout will immediately be north of $100 million. They would owe the, they would owe the, AC, the ACC $140, though, straight up to leave. Um, they would make $100 million a year. With a Big Ten, with a Big Ten payout, and you get the impression that if if Marcus Freeman is going to up the ante from a recruiting standpoint, which he already seems to be doing, so a hundred million dollars of extra revenue would would go a long way to him, you know, continuing that vision, continuing that effort of uh, of bringing in the the biggest prizes around the country. Yeah, I mean, it, you know. So many people, you know, bash Notre Dame for this and for that, but they won't hear. Like, Notre Dame holds all the cards. Notre Dame is a huge deal. It's a huge commodity to have them um, in their in their conference. Um, 
and I think it I think it could be really good for them to to go to the Big Ten. I mean, depending on who you talk to, I, I mean, I would already argue that they are a Big Ten school. Um, they had already geographically, yes, yeah, geographically, and, and for years they played Michigan and they played Michigan State and they played Purdue. You know, um, yes, they play USC and yes, they've been playing ACC teams. You know, for the last few years, but I mean, for for me, it makes sense for Notre Dame to leave. Uh, or I'm sorry, to, to join the Big Ten now. However, if they join the Big Ten, what's the next domino to fall? Is that Oregon and Washington going to the Big 12? You know, like, because, or or to the SEC? Because here's the thing. What what the Big Ten has just done is shown that geograph- geography means nothing as far as who can join a conference. They literally have a team from coast to coast within their conference. Yeah, and and I still am looking for, and maybe you know the answer to this clarification. Uh, clarification on whether or not this means, you know, is that is volleyball joining the Big Ten for USC and UCLA, or is it just football and basketball that join the Big Ten? Basketball will be its only, you know, will be its own logistical nightmare in terms of traveling. Uh, but I'm I'm interested to know what the rest of those schools or what the rest of the sports at USC look like, where do they, are they still in the Pac-12? Uh, does that complicate the media rights deal in any sort of way? I'm, I'm sure it doesn't, but um, I wonder how that's going to play out. Have you heard whether or not it's just football and basketball or is it all sports? I, I was under the impression that it was all sports. Okay. I feel but like again, that that's, that's, that's my assumption. Yeah. I feel like that got put into question earlier this week. I was I was trying to look to see if I could find it uh, before we got started, and I was unable to uh, to get a clear answer. But yes, um, geography is obviously going to be a big part of this. Those scheduling issues are going to be a big part of this. People, at least at one point, thought there were going to be Oregon and Washington or Cal and Stanford were also going to join the Big Ten just to make this a little bit more of a of a geographical make more geographical sense out of this so that you're not asking USC volleyball and UCLA volleyball or softball to travel clear across the country for you know however many games and then have to travel back the the cost of that becomes pretty expensive obviously you're going to have some uh, some big money coming in from those media right deals but Still, you you want to make things as cost efficient as possible. Yeah, I mean, it, you're right. It, it's just, man, it's just such a, it's just a tough situation because, like, let, let, let's play a little game real quick. I give you, I give you a team. What conference they fit best in? Colorado. You could probably make the argument that they could fit Pac-12 or Big 12. Right, because they they had they're, they're already coming from like they were already in the Big Twelve, right? They had been in the Big Twelve for a long time, yes. Um, and which, then left for the Pac twelve for some random reason. Oh, that's what I that's what I was going to look up. Um, okay, what about Utah? Utah sounds Pac twelve, for sure. Sounds what? I'm so sorry. Sounds Pac twelve. Well, no, no, outside of the Pac twelve. Oh. oh, oh. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's 
I think that probably fits Big 12 territory. Or would they go back to the Mountain West? Didn't they come from the Mountain West and then into the Pac-12? Yes. Yes, they did. So would you would would they want to be sent back down to the – they certainly wouldn't want to, obviously, yeah. and talking about a big drop-off in money. Also, like, just a quick question off the top of your head, and I, I'm, I'm trying to look for it right now. How many teams over the last, like, let's just say 20 years have changed conferences and actually reap the benefits of changing? I think Utah is the only one currently. TCU made a push at it for a while, but then they've leveled off. Utah is really the only one that is surging, but they have not switched conferences and begun to one or uh, have, have, you know, um, uh, flourished because of it. Yeah, I mean, and then you look at Missouri. Like, Missouri has not benefited. No, they had a push right there at the very beginning, uh, but went to what, back-to-back SEC championship games, but again, have have not maintained that, not built on it in any way. Who's the other team that joined with with Missouri? Um, oh, A and M. I mean, <laughs> this will be building, the year. But it's taken yeah. some while. Yeah. I mean, I I just I'm just curious as to. I think I think you're right. I think you you ultimately are right that this these are all moves to distance themselves and separate themselves from the NCAA. Um. And 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 look in, in that regard, I'm here for it. The NCAA is a joke. I've made that abundantly clear. My feelings on them. I just <clears throat> it sounds corny, man, but I, I, I enjoy the pageantry of college football. Um, I don't I don't revere it. I don't have to have it and or my game is ruined. But like I really enjoy watching USC play Stanford or, you know, I loved I loved those Oregon USC matchups or the night that Oregon State beat USC in 2008. You know, like like I, I just there's so many Pac-12 games that I can think about over the last, you know, 10, 15 years that have been influential, that have been important, that have been ingrained in my brain. And it well, just... now it's instead of Stanford beating USC, it'll be Northwestern beating USC. <laughs> and instead of Oregon State, it'll be Purdue. You know what? Purdue uh, takes out Ohio State every now and again, so what's yeah, stopping them you know from what? getting USC? You know, you're absolutely right. And USC will go to Iowa, and what what happens in Iowa? What What is Iowa, Spencer? Place where dreams go to die. Place where championship dreams go to die, but yes, championship yeah. dreams go to die. There you go. Yeah, I mean, you're right. I, I just it just sucks because again, the teams t- teams like Colorado and Utah who already don't bring out bring in a lot of money were were being able to bring in the money they were because of teams like USC. US like people don't realize this. Like LA has the number two TV market in America. Like us over here in the South, like in, in, let's just say Atlanta. Atlanta's like eighth. On that list, you know, LA mean means a lot, and like, screw the recruiting aspect of it. Forget forget that stuff. Like, I'm just talking about like the teams that where are they going to go, you know, and what the what is the Pac-12 going to do now? Because if you Pac-12, if you tell me you're going to go get like freaking Colorado State, and you're going to somehow get Oklahoma State to come over, like that ain't that ain't fixing your market issues. Um, oh, yeah, I think the only play they have is is quantity. Like like I was saying earlier, I think yeah. the only play the Pac-12 and the Big 12 have now is just become the big Pac-22 and 
you've, you can at least say, hey, look at all the inventory we have, ESPN, or whoever gets left out of the Big Ten media rights deal, whoever gets left out of that, the, the Pac-22 can now come over and say, well, hey, we over here, we've got inventory. We've got 20, we got a 22 team conference. We're not exactly sure how that works, but we know we're going to play one heck. Uh, we're going to play a whole lot of ball games. And you guys uh, will get a piece of that. And maybe we'll create our own tournament. Maybe, hey, we have our, we have too many teams over here. We're going to create a small four team playoff within ourselves so that, you know, hey, that's just more uh, for our conference championship. That's just more inventory. Uh, for you to sell and and hardcore college f- football people will will tune in. Hardcore college football people are tuning into bowl games. They'll tune in to our playoff games over here. Mm. They're signing up for, you know, San Diego State and, uh, you know, and, and and Baylor or whatever. They'll sign up for Baylor and Oregon. I'd watch that right now. I'd watch any college football right now. But oh my god, you get yeah. the point. I'm 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 saying. I think the only play for both of those conferences has to be quantity uh, in, in terms of the immediate future. No, I, th- I think you're absolutely right. I just I just don't know where you get it because even though you say quantity, there has to be there has to be some kind of quality to it as well. You know, well, and um, you do. You have Dave Naranda at Baylor. There's quality there. You've got uh, Oklahoma State and and Mike Gundy has been sustainable up to this point. He's done a good job. Uh, there you've also got Oregon that's been maintaining themselves even though they've had as much coaching change as they've had they've got it Utah's got it you've got some stuff there it's not a ton but you've got some quality is there and I might even be skipping somebody Iowa State would be a part of this as well so you got Matt Campbell also as a part of this I mean and to your point like I mean if we're just talking about this upcoming season I mean there's not many teams like I, I'd let Utah go toe to toe with anybody in the country. You know, like, yeah. I mean, th- th- that Utah team this year is that good. They they are they are that good go, coming into this year. Um, but you know, unfortunately, this is talking about the future and where they're going to be moving forward. I, and also, I just think about the recruiting, like what what will happen to these teams in the Pac-12 with recruiting. I think I think the team who's probably untouchable, you know, who won't be affected by this negatively. In some regard, recruiting-wise, is probably is probably Oregon because of the draw that they have of Nike and you know this new coach who's supposed to be you know gonna gonna put them back on the map. Um, but but I guess I, and now Spencer, I, I I transition to this question to you. What's the next thing to happen? I guess let me ask this: What's the next two things to happen? Because we know Notre Dame is the one who has to make a choice, and then what what happens after that? I, I think the next thing that would have to happen after that, at least from the logical standpoint, would have to be the Pac-12 and the Big 12. What do they do? What 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 is it exactly that they try to hang on to? Obviously, I guess they'll get a season uh, to figure it out as USC and UCLA will play the upcoming year there in the Pac-12, and Texas and Oklahoma aren't leaving immediately. So those two conferences will get a little bit of time to figure things out with exactly what it is they want to do. But I would imagine that that would have to be the next domino to drop is those two conferences either are making decisions or does an Oregon make some sort of plea to say, hey, Big 12, we'd love to, or uh, Big 10, we'd love to join you. 
you know, we've got Nike money, we've got this, we've got that. Does do you start to see individual teams split off and say, hey, uh, you know, put their resume in to say we don't want to be left behind either. Do yeah. you, does everybody jump off the sheet the sinking ship? Or does someone you know, try to do the it. two sinking ships try to try to uh, you know combine themselves to plug holes? Yeah, because I think when we're looking at the Big Twelve, I, I think I think to your point about quantity, I think the Big Twelve has done an okay job in, in trying to fix fix the problems, right? You know, um, you know, fix fix the void that was left there. Uh, I think. I think the teams they added could be really helpful and really cool. Like it's going to be really fun. Maybe that's just what they need to do. They just need to go find some, they need to find some people that are fun, some teams that are fun to join their conference. Um, uh, How much you, of that exists though, I guess. I mean, right now, I don't know. San Diego state, Boise state. Oh, I mean, Boise state's probably, probably one of the answers. Um, but you you can no longer be the Pac-12. Like you need to add like four teams. You you need to you need to get bigger. To your point, like you need to add more teams. Um, yeah. Can you imagine though if if they if they poached San Diego State and Boise State from their conferences? Like that's going to screw up that conference. Well, yeah. I mean, this is all will all for certain be trickle down. Yeah, for certain. All right. What we got next, Vince? I think you had some uh, recruiting notes for the Longhorns. It sounds like uh, Arch Manning is doing what Arch Manning is supposed to be doing by being Arch Manning and plugging the Manning name to all the other recruits, and the recruits are gravitating to the Manning name. Yes. So since Arch Manning committed on June 23rd, here are the recruits that have committed to Texas. Jonte Cook the second. Five-star wide receiver, Derek Williams, five-star safety, uh, Jaden Chapman, four-star inside linebacker, <clears throat> uh, Jonah Wilson, four-star wide receiver, Liana Lefau, four-star linebacker, Connor Stroh, th- uh, three-star offensive tackle, um, one, two, three. Three others. Three three other three stars. They've had that many commitments since Arch Manning committed to Texas. You gotta you gotta put the building blocks together uh in order to for Texas, in order for them to be back, you've got to you've got to start doing what they're doing now in order to be back. It's no guarantee that this leads to being back. But not doing what they're doing right now, failing to do this, would guarantee you're not back. Yes, agreed. Um, yeah, so uh, this has to be happening if Texas is going to right their ship under Steve Sarkeesian. This is the first big step in that direction, is landing the big-time recruits. And yes. yeah, I guess maybe you can make the argument that Texas has had recruits before and they've never been able to put them together. I think maybe that's fair to a degree. Um, but you can also, it, you're never going to not say, come on to the recruits. If you're recruiting well and it's not successful, well, then you try to make changes to the coaching staff or whatever, but you never say to yourself, well, maybe we should try something different with it when, when it comes to recruiting. Let's, let's go and recruit the three-star guys. 
and just only focus on. No, you don't say that. You don't say no to talent. So, yeah, Texas is going to be bringing in the talent. They're going to continue to bring in the talent. This has to be the level of talent that they bring in in order for them to be back. If it's going to happen. No, I know. I completely agree. And you know what also helps? Uh, look, they're they're ranked number three right now. Uh, they're probably going to get a few more commits that they probably I don't know if they'll end up at three. They probably will end up in the top six or seven. But the biggest thing to look at is their average player rating. They have an average player rating of ninety one point four six. OK, currently in the top ten. That is good enough for. Uh, fifth, fifth of, of average star rating that they are doing really well in, in that department. They have they currently are sitting on 18 commits, three five stars, nine four stars, and six three stars. Depending on how the how the stars align here between now and the end of the school year, or the end of the football season, we'll see. But Texas is Texas is truly like I, I alluded to this on last week's ep- podcast that Georgia not getting Arch Manning was a big deal. And here's the big deal why because of the effect that he was going to have on recruiting and. Some people are just going to see a name, and who we already talked about at nauseum last week of what we think is going to happen with him, so we don't have to get into that. But I just I think I think it was important to mention Texas for what they've been able to do since getting Arch Manning as far as recruiting goes, but then also bring up another school that we just got done talking about a few minutes ago, who is currently the number one recruiting, who has the current number one recruiting class in the country, and that is Notre Dame, and they and they're sitting on 19 commits, one five star, but 16 four stars. Two three stars. They have an average of ninety three point two as far as player rating. Since this Notre Dame this Notre Dame team is probably not going to finish number one, but I I would be hard. It's hard pressed for me to think they won't finish in the top five. It's a good place. Where was the highest? Do you know what the highest number was in their oh, yeah. rate in their oh, finishes for oh. Brian Kelly? Oh, under Brian Kelly. Uh, talk for a minute, and I can figure that out really quickly. Like talk about something. I'm gonna do that. Yeah. So I will talk (laughs) for a little bit while Robbie tries to find. I beat my brothers in uh, Monopoly. That no. Um. uh, Arkansas sounds like they've but they've done some nice recruiting here as of late. Uh, Micah (laughs) Teese committed to uh, Arkansas, a four-star athlete. Miami brought in the number one offensive tackle uh, prospect, uh, Francis Mayoga. Uh, he's going to come in. The so. answer, Spencer. In 2013, they they finished with the fifth best ranked recruiting class, and that was okay. that was coming into that national championship year, where they played in the national championship game. So already off the jump, Marcus Freeman looks like he could be, or at least is on track in some sort of way to. Uh, well, yeah, because here here's also the thing: Brian Kelly, while getting these high recruiting classes, did not get a ton of top 200 guys. And and that's not the case here. Like Marcus Freeman has gotten like almost the, the majority of these guys are blue chippers, man. He is he is crushing it with these guys. Um, well, and it makes you it kind of takes you back to the to the wondering. You know, what did LSU get in Brian Kelly? Like, is he going to mm-hmm. be able to up his recruiting there or is he just going to kind of rely on? You know, developing his talent. Now, I know he always said when he left Notre Dame, it was it'll be easier to get the bigger prospects to LSU uh, than it was to Notre Dame. So so maybe that won't be a, a huge factor for him. 
but ultimately you still kind of makes you wonder if it's possible to get the big time recruits at Notre Dame and Brian Kelly wasn't getting them, how much of it was Notre Dame holding him back and how much of it that maybe his, his system needs to change a little bit when it comes to recruiting or his approach or the assistance that he hires, whatever it is, how much of that, you know, how much of it is a Brian Kelly issue and how yeah. much of it is a Notre Dame issue or question? Well, I, I think I've just come to terms with this. I think Brian Kelly had to leave Notre Dame so Notre Dame could fly, <laughs> so to speak. Um, and LSU needed someone who was a quality coach, a mature adult, and can can recruit at a high level. And I think Brian Kelly does all those things. I think both schools are going to end up being in a great situation by the end by the end when it's all said and done. I don't, I don't think, and, and I'm not you. You weren't saying this. I'm just saying, like in general, I don't think there's going to be some huge loser and winner in this situation. I think both teams are going to end up being really well because I do think Brian Kelly had to had to have left for them uh, for Notre Dame to realize, holy crap, like we have got to change how we allow our coaches to recruit. Because the, the the ridiculous standards they've had has just been, you know, like it, we've we've talked about it before. Like it's been really hard to to get kids to come to Notre Dame, and I know that's probably one of the reasons why Brian Kelly left. Also, because of the massive contract he was going to get from from LSU. But I, I just I think that this is going to end up being lucrative for both teams, and, and I definitely think it could end up being lucrative for both coaches. I I, I do think that Notre Dame is in more of a question zone. As far as coaching, um, game to game, because Freeman has never been a head coach before, so you know there. And I'm not saying he he's gonna be bad or good. I'm just saying like that is that is the one thing we have to keep our mind on, right? Our eye on is how does he do as the head coach and no longer just the defensive coordinator. Yeah, and he's got a big year too with you know with sort of the a quarterback decision to make and mm-hmm. um, sort of what. What can they do to ante up on the offense? And lots of other transition pieces there, not just that head coach that uh, that Marcus Freeman's going to have to oversee. So, what does that look like? Which might be a reason to stay independent. You know, which might say to yourself, let's let's keep it to where we can keep our schedule flexible, and you know, our new head coach can kind of get his feet wet because it is his first time being a head coach, and we don't have to commit to anything right now because ultimately. We can come calling at the middle of the night, and the Big Ten's going to answer the phone call. So we'll take our time if we want to commit to that or not, and we'll do it when Marcus Freeman's ready to do it versus when the Big 12 or the uh, Big Ten wants us to do it. No, agreed. I, I think I think that's a great way to put it. Um, the, these next couple weeks, man, are going to be so interesting when it comes to just the bigger picture of what Notre Dame's going to end up doing and where they're going to be. But I, I cannot wait to see Marcus Freeman and how he how he does this and how he does this season. It's all a funny joke. Uh, something about Lincoln Riley now gets to look forward to blaming a 6 uh, 6 a.m. <laughs> flight or a 6 p.m. kick or a 6 a.m. kickoff or you know something silly on a you know on a Saturday night Saturday afternoon loss to Iowa or something you know road loss to Iowa a 12 p.m. kickoff and a road loss to Iowa. There's pink rooms in terms of his in terms of his struggling there. It, I'm sure it came from an Oklahoma fan that tweeted it, yeah. but it is uh, it's funny well, about, you know, just sort of the, the idea that Lincoln Riley was 
set sort of that idea that Lincoln Riley was running from the from the SEC when he left Oklahoma to go to the Pac-12, and there was sort of this easy, clear path to the uh, to the playoff. You're going to beat up on all of the Pac-12 schools, but now you've got to go in, and there's Michigan, and there's Michigan State, and there's Indiana, and there's always tough Northwestern and Iowa, and there's always going to be tough Purdue, and there's always going to be, you know, it's a much thicker road to get to uh, the college football playoff now, and Lincoln Riley sort of he tried to run away from it, but now he's kind of right back in it. If you believe that he was running away, of course. Uh, I don't. I don't necessarily believe believe that. I. I think he got an incredible offer from USC. He wanted to live in LA, and he had an opportunity to go to an easier conference. Um, I think that. I mean, I think it plays a part, but I don't think that's why he left. You know. Um, right. I think. I think it has more to do with. Uh, I, I'm sorry. I think it has more to do with the huge amount of money and where he could live and the recruiting access he'd have. Now, the thing I don't, or the thing that I think he is absolutely bogus bullcrap on, is that he had no idea of conversation with USC prior to the day that he accepted the job. Like I think that's absolutely asinine and stupid. Oh yeah, that the that the courting sort of happened over the twenty four hour period or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah I don't agree sounds, with that at all. I don't. Yeah, that sounds unbelievable. Po show. All right, you got anything else? I think we're no, uh, brother, think we're I'm, set. This is Fourth of July episode. We're I, I'm I came in hot, like a fire, like a Roman candle. Came in, exploded with some information, and I'm good now. Very nice. All right, well, uh, be sure to like, rate, review, and subscribe. You can find. Robbie on uh, line Spider Dude sixty four. I'm there. Uh, Twitter Spider Dude sixty four, and then I'm there uh, at Spencer underscore Van Horn V A N H O R N. Two friends, one love. Be sure to like, rate, review, and subscribe. We'll catch you on the flip flop later.